Hey everyone, welcome to the Disney Film Project Podcast. This is the show where we take you around the world of the Disney films from the Walt Disney Company, their assorted and associated affiliates, and people who like them and want to be their affiliates, and, you know, affiliated companies and affiliations. Uh, I am your host, Ryan Kilpatrick, owner proprietor of DisneyFilmProject.com. Uh, I blog there on occasion when I'm not in Hawaii. Uh, with me this evening are my three fabulous film-loving friends. We have first up Mr. Todd Perlmutter, who is a blogger at TouringPlans.com and chief technical officer of DisneyDrivenLife.com. And all-around swell fella, how are you, Todd? I'm great, Ryan. How are you doing? You don't look tan. I, you can't tell tan over Skype, man. That's what it is. I can't tell tan over Skype. No, I can tell white over Skype, though. Yeah, yes, you can, and that would be me. <laughs> no, I did not. I did not tan in Hawaii. I used oh. lots and lots of sunblock. Wow, I, I would say probably you drowned yourself in sunblock from the looks of it. Yes, I did. Because the first day uh, on Waikiki Beach, I burned and vowed never to do it again, and yet still wanted to go to the beach. So, okay, there you go. Fair enough. Also with me this evening, who did not accompany me to Hawaii, sad, she's sad to say, and I am sad to say, Miss Brianna Alessio, uh, a blogger at Adventures of Bree at adventuresofbree.blogspot.com. Hello, Bree. Hello, Ryan. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. I just got back yeah. from Hawaii. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, I knew that from like five times. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Interesting. And, li- okay. and like Todd says, you do look white, very white. Thank you. I appreciate that. You guys it's like, so it's like the, the whole Thor pasty white boy correlation here coming back. That's great. All right, so that's going to do it for this week's show because <laughs> uh, I don't talk to these people anymore. Uh, instead, the rest of the show will be myself and Miss Cheryl Perlmutter, our lovely and talented producer uh, who edits these rambling uh, insult fests down to uh, a, a reasonable uh, length of time for you to listen to. Hello, Cheryl. Hello, how are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Doing good. See, now that's how you talk to me, people. Not, like, throwing insults at me. No, we'd rather do the insults, actually. Yeah, I'm too All right. So, tonight we discuss the latest in a long string of Pixar fun, Cars 2, this, the, the next Pixar sequel uh, after Toy Story 3 last year and Toy Story 2 before that. This is the next in the line of Pixar sequels before we get a Pixar prequel uh, and we get all Pixar quilt. Uh, this, Cars 2, a reprise from the, the earlier film with uh, Lightning McQueen and Mater, except this time we have a, a plot which takes us around the world as they circumnavigate the globe in the World Grand Prix. But there's oh so much more to it than that. All right. All right. You gave me an idea. Maybe that's what Tom Panks is think he's, thinks he's doing. Is Maybe he thinks he's doing a Toy Story prequel. Um, so, so Cheryl is referencing the <laughs> fact that Tom Hanks recently had an interview where he said that he was being pegged to do Toy Story 4, and I think that probably he's mistaken from what I understand. He's probably just being pegged for more of the shorts. Yes, wait, I would, wait, I would wait, guess Wait, 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 they could, they, he, but they could be doing... Well, I've, I've, I've heard another more credible rumor that they're going to do a, uh, a disc of Toy Story shorts like they did for Mater's Tales. So That would make sense. That would make that would make a lot of sense, actually. All right, so uh, Cars Two, directed, and I put that in quotes by uh, John Lasseter uh, because he gets the director's credit in this. Uh, I find it hard to believe he actually directed it. 
Uh, but that's just me. We'll see. Uh, and co-directed by Brad Lewis, uh, and starring the original cast plus about a thousand more people. I think there are fifteen hundred people uh, in the voice cast for this film. <laughs> you you may yeah. indeed be right. I mean, they made they made a crazy number of car con- constructs for the movie, like close to a thousand total, I think. But they don't voice them all. But there's like you know. You, you see in the movie close to a thousand new models good grief that's insane but I think it's more because the movie was pretty much his idea yeah yeah, yeah. And, I I, he, and, he, and he gave a lot of direction but I don't know that he I, I tend to agree it does it's not a lot of it's not his style yeah definitely not um, it's it's so I mean that's probably a good place to start is this wait is... can we talk about Hawaiian vacation ooh Let's no, let's talk about cars. We'll All right, well, well, hold on. Let me bust out my pictures. <laughs> and um, so the first day, we arrived at um, Oahu. <laughs> and, um, not your Hawaiian vacation. Not my Hawaiian vacation? <laughs> no. And, and, and Sally, much like Mr. Pricklepants, <laughs> put on a coconut bra. No, actually, she did not. I was kind of disappointed. But, you know, <laughs> we want to talk about the, 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 the short. I wouldn't like to talk about the short for no, a few minutes. It wasn't minutes. short. It was like 10 days. We were there for a long time. No. It was, it was, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So you're talking about you're talking about the Toy Story short. Yes. That was, oh. That was, in the, that was in the movie. And it at least had two movie references inside that short. Two movie references inside the short. Please mm-hmm. do elaborate. Well, one was our famous fish from... High School Musical. The Humaluma Kuma Wuma Wuma Numa Numa Duma, or whatever is, it is. Which is actually the steak fish of Hawaii. Yes, it is. And so he was actually in there. And then um, when Barbie and Ken did the kissing scene, Ken lifted his foot up. Like the, like like she will, like she does in the Princess Diaries. There you go. It was a yeah. foot-popping kiss. <laughs> Those are the best kind, aren't they? They really are. No, but I think we should talk about that. I kind of like this short. Yeah, no, it was fun. I mean, the, it, it kind of plays into what we were just talking about with the style. Is like it's a departure for them in that typically before a Pixar film, you'll get a a more abstract or a different short. I guess is a way to put it. Like you get, in, in, you've never had pre-established characters in a in a short before any of their films. At least not that I can remember. Uh, so to have Toy Story, a Toy Story tune, as they titled it before this one, was a little bit different. Not what I was expecting, to be honest with you. But it, you're right; it was a fun little short film. It was it was very enjoyable. In fact, I mean, because it was. Now, okay, I will be honest. Um, both the short and the movie had me laughing constantly throughout. So, it's you know. Mater's humor is pretty much my kind of humor to begin with, so that's. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and with so, the right. short, I wasn't expecting. I wasn't expecting them to. I thought it was going to be like them on vacation, and then then Barbie and Ken stole away. <laughs> yeah, so they did do a little. Uh, did do a little bit different. Yes. Well, uh, it was. I thought it was. It was funny because <laughs> it's like it. It, it does carry the Ken character forward correctly because basically he is not a schemer, and that was always his. That was what because he's too nice a guy to be a schemer. So when he tries to scheme, it fails. And I thought that was a very 
you know, he, he has this grand plan of stowing away with Bonnie for her Hawaiian vacation and neglects to think that, no, she's not going to take her school books with her. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which, having just taken two kids to Hawaii, that is very true. They did not take their school books with them. <laughs> uh, hard to believe. I know, isn't it, though? <laughs> and uh, so the, and the whole thing is, the whole, um, the whole short leads up to them... Uh, having their first kiss, as Cheryl alluded to, and it's very funny because they're not in Hawaii. The um, they're in Bonnie's bedroom, so Ken freaks out and hops in the bag. And while they're hopped in the bag, apparently they built Hawaii out of everything, including cat litter. It's <laughs> <laughs> always good. Oh yeah, and Which Spanish they- Buzz comes back. That's right. So Spanish Buzz um, comes out and he does his little dancing routine. And of course, he's speaking in Spanish because they don't know better that in Hawaii they actually tend to speak English unless they're but use some slang words basically from their own culture. They use, they use Hawaiian is not their native language. Right. English is the native language. They teach Hawaiian in school as a foreign language. These are all things I learned while in Hawaii. Right, but they also they tend to throw in uh, these they have this colloquial sub-language that they tend to mix in with English a lot if for the natives, right? I, I, I know it has a name, I just can't remember the name of it. Pigeon. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> P-I-G-G-I-N, basically. Yeah. Right, it's like, I went there, I know. I was there, I know. So. Okay, pasty white boy. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, good night, everyone. <laughs> um, but, no, so he's, he's speaking in Spanish, and he says, he says this line about removing the poop from the cat litter in Spanish, and Mrs. Potato Head goes up behind him and, and gives this great, oh, Spanish, it's so romantic. <laughs> and of course, yes. she has no idea what he said, and you know exactly what he said. <laughs> yes, it's quite funny. <laughs> and, uh, that's, and that's the level of humor of the short. Like, I like uh, my favorite thing it was Shark Week. <laughs> Mine too! That was the best! The looks on their faces, <gasps> And uh, yeah, and, and um, what is it? Trixie and Rex doing their uh, World of Warcraft characters <laughs> was very entertaining too. It's it's a very I, I guess I'd say very contemporary sort of short. Whereas the the films themselves are kind of timeless. The the short is like you said, it has a bunch of references and things like that that are are more contemporary, which is which is interesting and and very funny. Just it's different for Toy Story. Yes, it's uh, it's very different. It's not just that. It's um, it's like you were like you were saying before with the shorts. Usually, it's something that's not con- it's not even connected to reality. Often, right? Uh, the the Pixar shorts that they have before the movies usually they're completely tied to something unrelated. And this was very this was in a way different, you know, because because it's um tied to actual characters from another movie, like you said, and the whole thing. It's it's very and and this ties into the movie it, to to cars to itself. It's very conventional, like it's a conventional Toy Story short. Like if you expected to see a Toy Story cartoon, it's what you would expect from it. That doesn't mean it's not good. It is. It's very good. It's just it's conventional. Whereas typically, I would say the shorts have been rather unconventional before the Pixar films. That's fair. Um, like- like the night and day thing. But if we right. had, so, but if we had to rate this a short, let's say, let's say, some your kids get sick, you got a call, your mother's in the hospital, you have to leave the movie theater. What would you rate the short? 
Would you be thinking about raining the short under those conditions? I'm not saying. <laughs> That's a very I'm good question. I'm not saying. No, it's the only thing you saw. <laughs> you were able to see. You just saw the short. I don't know. Five minutes later into the movie, your mother. I mean, you know, I'm not saying. Pick I, something. I adore the short. I mean, I, I'm going to give it a five. I thought it was absolutely fantastic and well done. Ooh, like a whole star rating thing for the short? Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm having problems with that. Um, so, I I don't think it's their best short ever. It is probably their funniest short ever. Yes. I was laughing throughout, but it's not their best short. So, I, I'm going to go with probably um, a four. I, I would agree with a four, just because it's... It, it, there's no, it's not on the level to me artistically of the like like Todd mentioned the night and day or Jerry's game or any of the other ones that have, we've had before the other shorts. But it's it is very funny and and, and well done if if somewhat conventional. I'm going with five just because they knew enough to reference the Princess Diaries. Well, there you go. Because <laughs> that movie is awesome. Okay. And and one our our uh, listeners' choice poll. No less. It did win our listener choice poll, and that will be in, in an upcoming episode in September, I believe. For I those believe who are interested. Yes. Uh, all right. So moving on to Cars Two, the full-length feature film that accompanied the Hawaiian Vacation short. Uh, so speaking of conventional, um, yeah, that happened. But <laughs> speaking of conventional. Yeah, um, so I guess we talked about John Lasseter and his style, and this, like you said, Todd, doesn't fit his style. I mean, like, and I don't mean this is to say that this is a bad movie. It's not at all. It's a good movie, but it's very conventional. It's pretty, it's a, you know what it reminded me of, and this is not in a bad way, it reminded me of a Scooby-Doo movie. Mm. Not yeah. the actual Scooby Doo movies. You're talking like an animated Scooby Doo movie. Correct. Right? Yeah. No, yeah. Thank, yeah. thank like, God. Like <laughs> Not Sarah Michelle Geller Scooby Doo. Like good Scooby Doo. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> um, yeah. It's not just that. It reminded me of. Um, I, I think it's it's coming off of so so between Cars and this movie came out. We mentioned earlier that the Mater's Tales that were shown on TV for the past few years, and then they were recently put onto released onto a DVD and Blu-ray, okay? And um, by, to me, this movie was kind of sort of cut together like it was Mater's Tales, right? And I, I understand that this movie, the main character, is really not Lightning McQueen. It is Mater. I get that, okay? Right. But, it's, but it's, it's not... The original Cars was end-to-end a tale about someone's coming of age, right? And, you know learning his place, you know, finding his place in the world, that, which is a very, very classic storyline, okay? Not, uh, but what, I understand where you're coming from, conventional, is it, it was, it wasn't even just conventional, it reminded me of, like, you know how when you watch um, cartoons for kids these days, when we were younger, they were half an hour long, and you got a half an hour of a single cartoon, and nowadays, because kids' attention spans are smaller, you get 15, two 15-minute cartoons back-to-back, right? Yeah. That's what this movie kind of sort of reminded me of, in that sense, is it's the way it's cut and the stories, you almost don't need them to all be on the screen at the same time. Not that they're bad and don't fit together. It's just the stories of the individual races and individual points don't necessarily have to be together. Yes, I would agree with that. Like, 
it it it's a it's a movie that I felt like was built for mass appeal, as opposed to something like a Wally, a Ratatouille, an Up, things like that that were built to be a a an individual story, and hopefully it would connect with a large audience. If that makes sense, like, it, and I'm not saying one's better than the other. Just that that this one feels like, hey, we're gonna make a Cars movie, a Cars sequel that features all the things that we think that the audience might like. I'm not saying that's the way they went about it, but that's the way it felt like. Well, when there's, it. there's an interesting fact along those lines that I found that I found when I was doing my research, and that was um, the movie was changed depending on where it was shown. Okay. Some of the some of the characters are the race cars and stuff like that. Especially so for us, uh, for us, we got Jeff Gordon as Jeff Gorvette in the movie, right? He's the young oh yes, I did. Car, right? I did read about this. Yeah, okay. I read about this. Yeah. And in every single country, he's a different car. So in Australia, he's one race car. In Germany, he's another race car. And in France, he's another race car. And on and on and on. Okay. Lewis Hamilton remains because he's like world famous, right? And Lewis Hamilton is. The car is named Lewis Hamilton in the movie too, by the way. So he's he's actually named after himself and got to pick his colors for his car too. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yes. So he picked the the black and yellow was his choice. Interesting. Okay. So um, but it so it's not Jeff Corvette. It's I forget what all the other names are, but there's like six or seven different characters. And this it's not the only thing that's changed depending on where you watch the movie. It's just the most obvious one because he's got a long scene there with lightning. Mm-hmm. You know where they're talking. Yeah. But you, you, so you know what bothered me about it is is not not that it was Mater's movie because I knew that going in and I kind of liked it and I kind of liked the spy movie and all the you know 007 type stuff that I saw coming da- coming up into in the movie b- even before it was released. But what was driving me nuts was Lightning McQueen's role actually seemed forced in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, he he's a plot device more than anything else. He's not an actual character in this movie. There's no there's no real like there's lightning develops basically his his arc is he's embarrassed a mater and then he's not. But it's more of a plot device than anything else. It's not central to the movie. Right. It's it's one of those things. You know, I always I always like to point out the bit of the movie that could be removed and the movie wouldn't change that much. It would be the whole argument that he has with Mater could literally be lifted right from the movie, and the movie really wouldn't change that much. True. Yeah, I mean, it's it's sort of it's pivotal to Mater's journey, though. Um, yeah, somewhat, somewhat, because I don't think that Mater may not have ended up where he was. That's true, but I mean, what what I mean is. Is he didn't have to get so mad at Mater, right? Or even mad at him at all, or any of that stuff about being embarrassed by him, because she would have thought they would have been past that a long time ago, considering that the entire world already knows that this is his best friend, right? Why would he be embarrassed because the whole world already publicizes him as to them together? You know, I, it, that's what I mean. It, it just like didn't seem out of place to me because it was, it was not, did not pick up right after the last movie it was like four years later right right so i i just it, it didn't fit well for me yeah i mean I, I i i agree with that i think 
and 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 that part of it, to be honest with you, I don't think the the argument part worked very well. I think that's more the problem than that it shouldn't be there. Like like Mater's whole I don't know revelation that dream sequence that he has um, right before the climax of the movie. That was, mm. Yeah. It was painful for me. Yeah. I mean, like it, it, and it. I guess it's supposed to be painful. <clears throat> like you're supposed to feel bad for him and everything, but it didn't work for me. I didn't feel like that character would have that moment. And I, I so meant painful. Yeah, like I mean, painful to be in a Disney Pixar film because that just didn't yeah. go hand in hand for me. I don't know. It, it, it it's hard to believe that someone who is completely not self-conscious would actually suddenly become self-conscious just because they learned that they'd be like it, it w- to me it would have been a more like oh yeah right, it, right. I, I mean for him not to realize that he's loud and obnoxious I don't buy because <laughs> he knew he was loud and obnoxious there's, there's points that, that's like the whole reason for the cow tipping jokes and stuff like that okay yeah, I've done cow tipping, okay? And don't tell me you haven't listening audience or, you know, because that's the way it is. You know, it's there. Everybody tries it if they get an opportunity to. Um, yeah. Okay. I said I listening audience. I said get an opportunity to. Okay, sure. Whatever you say. God. <laughs> Whatever you say. <laughs> okay. But the, um, the, the point is, is that, you know, you do that either you're drunk or you're loud and obnoxious. Those are the only two reasons you end up doing that sort of thing, right? And well, Mater don't drink. Okay, in fact, um, in that fact, we know of. Oh no, no, no! Because there's an entire interview where half the interview with John Lasseter says there is no alcohol in that world, despite that they showed bars. Every drink is oil, and all they ever drink is oil. Which at cars should be drinking oil, and there is actually no alcoholic beverages. He yeah, actually there's a whole interview about it. Yeah, they, you went way too deep on that then. <laughs> I read, like, every article I could find. There's really only, like, 20 good articles on the whole movie. He, was, he went wonky sleuth on this movie like crazy. Uh, uh, I okay. can believe that. Oh, yeah, oh so, my so, goodness. Uh, he drove so- me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> saw, saw the movie twice, right? Once in, th- once in 3D and once um, in 2D. Okay. And uh, the second time we did it at the um, fork and screen thing at Downtown Disney, okay, which was very entertaining. But what I did was because I had seen the movie before and I wanted to take notes, I actually sat with my iPhone and took notes throughout the entire movie. Oh no! Oh, oh yeah! You were that guy, weren't you? No, he was, so he was no, 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 but he you, was in you, the corner. Yeah, you no, no. It, you it's actually see him. you. I. It's not what you think because in the in the. You kind of have like a private little area where our two seats were, and the the seat backs are higher, so nobody can see you inside your seat, and you can't see the next guy. And your phone's down here, and I'm up against the wall, and I'm and the lights are already kind of on anyway because you have to be able to see your food and eat it. And you took notes. So I took notes. Wow. I did. There's that's so many levels of wonky sluicishness right there that have just been increased. Wait, wait, wait! On my phone, and because I sync my notes. My, my notes to my Google, my Gmail, they're in my Gmail, and then I just save it as a Google document, and boom, I can just edit it right up, and I'm here. Wow. Um, Ryan? <laughs> yeah. Who's now, do, who's now doing a facepalm? <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> yeah. What do you think about that? Um, yeah. Um, I had popcorn. You still need references <laughs> for that scavenger hunt, right? <laughs> Me too. I had popcorn. <laughs> 
I'm just saying. I'm just saying right here. I got a. I got a prize for him from the scavenger hunt. <laughs> well, I'm coming. I'm coming to next year's scavenger hunt. So I'll. I need this information too. There you go. No, you're not. Don't go. You're not doing the scavenger hunt, Bree. Don't drive yourself crazy. All right. So speaking of research, there are, as in the former Cars film, a ton of Easter eggs in this movie, and I can see like Todd's head is just like exploding with them. Oh wait, but Cheryl's hand went up first. It did, yeah. Cheryl, Cheryl is also exploding with with knowledge today. Okay, my um my first one is is a weird one that's not on any of the web pages or anything. One of Francesco's tires says pasta. One of that Francesco's tires says pasta. One of Francesco's tires says pasta. That's cool. Okay, I, the rest I will of have them. To believe you. The rest of them I have from the web. Um, the beginning in in the beginning where Miles Axelrod is cu- climbing for the jungle, that's the same jungle that from Up. Yes, it is. Oh. Um. Let's see. What more do I have here? The the please the pan the pizza planet truck is in the audience at the end of Ra- in Radiator Springs. Yes, it is. And it's also um. The the tire talk television show that's on before the Mel Dorado show the Pizza Planet truck is the guest on that show. Oh, is it okay? Miss, yes. I didn't catch that. I have the one. brave the brave the brave the brave um has brave it has a spot. It's in the left. You get to see a bit of the sequence in the left turn in or the left turn go. bar. Go brave. Okay, brave. You got one. I do. The name of Luigi's uncle Topolino is the Italian name for Mickey Mouse. Topolino. Yes, it is. And also in, I think it was Ed Sullivan's show, they had Topo Gijo. So if you think about it, there's kind of a, runs parallel well, there. It, it, it's not just that, but the, uh, the uncle was a, uh, almost the entire, so Porta Corsa was the only city that was actually a completely made up city, doesn't ex- not, no real world parallel. Okay. Um, and every it, it's most it, the uh, the island that the um, casinos on the top of is a Fiat 500 um, Topolino. So are Mama and Uncle Topolino are Fiat 500 Topolinos, but all from different years. But they're all the same make and model of car. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's so that's it's very pervasive throughout the whole thing. It took me a while to figure that out. Now here's the interesting thing about the Topolinos, though. Is um and I'm I, I know I have this written down. Hang on. While you look, I'll while Todd, while you look, I'll give some more. Gustos okay. from Ratatouille's um appears on the name as Gastos. Um, yep. a billboard of Harry Hawson's from Monsters Inc. can be seen in Tokyo. Um, Alato can also be seen in Tokyo. An advertisement for B and L. Um, while while ag- advertising Lugnet in a cup. Can be can be um, seen. A one thirteen is in three is in um, Mayor's license plate, Sidley's tail, and the photos of the mystery engine. Um, yes. In the beginning, they when they pass by the drive-in, it's showing the incredible mobiles. I I have some more. Here here's an interesting thing. Remember we talked about changes to the movie. So in in our movie, right? The, in the American version of, of Cars 2, um, Mama Topolino is voiced by Vanessa Redgrave. 
Mm-hmm. No. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All right. overseas, yeah, so. however, anywhere anywhere non-English, okay, it is voiced by Sophia Loren. Okay. <laughs> That's neat. Seems like an expensive choice for a dub, but okay. Yeah, it's 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 kind of strange. Um, the Fountain in the Square, okay, took me a while to figure this out because first of all, I didn't realize that Porto Cosa wasn't based on a real city. Once I figured that out. I stopped looking at fountains that were actually in Italy, and then I found out the actual source of the fountain. The fountain in the square where the Topolino Tires is, and the Topolinos live, okay, is commemorates the six Maserati brothers, Enzo, Bindo, Carlo, Alferi, Ettore, and Ernesto, and I probably screwed some of those up. <laughs> so it, it's so it's a fa- it, so I because it had cars in it, and I thought it was like supposed to be Neptune's fountain from um, from Rome, but it's not. So. I have a strange desire for pasta now. <laughs> oh, I want to jump in. One of the cars says yeah. last attire. The, the, the ads say last attire. Some of them do, yeah. In reference to one John Lasseter. John Lasseter. Uh, right, also Jeff Gorvet's pit crew chief is named Lasseter as well. And also, a, a third at, spelling. at one point in the film, Mater um, is prompted to think of insurance agents, so he sings the State Farm song. And State Farm now sponsors, which did sponsor Cars 2, created that commercial with the Cars 2 characters. So he got that, too. Yep, yep. Lots of fun. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, oh, so things that bother me in a movie, right, is like when they put a scientific fact in, right, I kind of sort of feel compelled to go look at it when I get home. Right. So... so they had the whole thing about the oil leak not really being Mater being Miles Axelrod because he wasn't really what he, he, he was pretending to be. Okay, so I went home, and now the part that he has to get replaced in the rest of the scene, the part that gives him away, is the clutch assembly, right? So I actually looked this up, and it is very common that when a clutch assembly fails, it causes slipping and wear, wearing that causes an oil leak. So they actually, like... They actually plotted wow. correctly for the part that was broken in the movie, which I thought was like really cool that they actually spent the time on that. Very, yes. very good. Yeah, that's cool. Um, um, so we're still on Easter eggs. Um, okay. Yes, I have a ton more. Well, it is a Cars movie, so I imagine there's like a thousand. There are many. packed throughout there, the movie. Yes, Brad Lewis has a voice of Tubbs Pacer. As one of the lemon heads. Oh, my... Oh, I want to bring on one of my pet peeves since we're in this er- section. Um, because they show a couple kiss. Why don't they ever show us lightning, you Sally kiss? Oh, there's a reason why they kissed. So, when Jan La- John Lasseter and his wife visited Paris, they were told that when you cross that bridge, you're su- a couple is supposed to kiss. So, John Lasseter actually put it in the movie with a couple kissing, but it's... It's uh, Mater and McMissile, so they weren't going to have it be Mater and McMissile to kiss. So they just had a random couple on the bridge there. There you go. But they still didn't have Sally and, and Lightning kiss. This is like the whole High School Musical thing over again. Yeah. It is. Yeah. What is? We were they waiting don't... for them to kiss. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh you're, yes. you're right. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Don't tell me that. I'm going to have to wait for, like, Cars 4 to see them kiss? I have two more weird things. One is, um, the guy who did the voice of Francesco Bernoulli was also in Monk with, with, um, Tony Shalhoub. He actually played Monk's brother. And then Lloyd Cher, who, um, took over the reins as Fillmore, 
did a the stint in this in this uh, in this cartoon called Star Wars: The Clone Wars. Heard of it? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was the father in the three-part episode. So there's our Star Wars reference right there. That was was that the season finale or no? The season finale is with Chewbacca, right? Yes. Right. It was a series before the season finale. So there's lots of Easter eggs in the movie, but there's also they did they did some things like you had mentioned, Todd, about the fact that this is not set in Radiator Springs for the most part. We traveled to Tokyo, we traveled to London, and we traveled to uh, the the fictional Italian spot. Uh, but they do a good job of taking real world icons and, for lack of a better term, carifying them. Yes. Um- in Tokyo, to me, the most obvious one was the the Rainbow Bridge in Tokyo. Note, folks, not actually a rainbow bridge like in Thor. <laughs> okay. Sadly. Sadly. I, it, 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 it's called the Rainbow Bridge because they light it up like a rainbow. And not like the one I was, I was, I thought was, I thought was referencing Mario Kart. <laughs> oh no, no, not referencing Mario Kart either. Though I don't, maybe Mario Kart is referencing. That would be awesome. It. That, that would be, be so awesome. Fun. Done. Because there, 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 there is a track and it call, like has a rainbow or something in, yes, in there Mario is. Kart. In Mario Kart. Um, so the suspension bridge is it's all you know car parts and stuff like that. It's very if you look really close at it detail wise, it's hard to see because the colors kind of throw it off a little bit. I thought it was a higher, harder one to do, but it's actually, you know, it's called the Rainbow Bridge in the movie, and it's actually, you know, that Rainbow Bridge is a real thing. It's a big suspension bridge in Tokyo. Um, um wait, it, there's a, one on the Rainbow Bridge, which is also when your pet passes away, it your pet, it's supposed to go over the Rainbow Bridge, but I said that has no reference to the movie, as so I would make it in there. Okay. There you go. Okay, fair enough. Um, I, the other, um. There wasn't to me. Tokyo was probably the most the well. No, I should say Tokyo was the second most accurate of the cities for me, right? Of the real mm-hmm. cities because I mean, let's just face it. London was amazing on detail. I mean, they even had fog, which was yeah. insane to me. Um, the um, but I'm gonna try and stay in order here a little bit. Not too much, but. Um, the other thing was the the flea market that they go to, right? It's actually so that's Paris's most famous flea market in the movie. It's called the Marché aux Pieces, okay, because it's supposed to be pieces of cars, okay. And but it's it's the Marché. I'm gonna mess this up, but I'm gonna do my best. Marché aux Pieces, c'est when des Klinga Court or something like that. That's it's bless you. <laughs> thank you. Um, so it's it's it's. That's where they go, and it's very nice because, you know, like in a typical Cars fashion, it's it's normally one of those old-fashioned open um, iron buildings, um, almost like they have in the building in um, Philadelphia. I can't remember what it is right now. The Borson, right? Is that, did I get that yes, right? Yes, I think. Okay. I believe you're correct, otherwise, yes. otherwise our, our Philadelphia friends will, will will call you and correct you. Right. So it's the same type of, it's the same type of building, but they design it instead of looking like it does in the real world, they make it look like the front of a car's radiator and stuff like that, but it's open. That's so very interesting. Um, what I what I loved about that though is that there's this moment where uh, if people remember back to the original Cars movies, we were talking about the eyes on the vehicles and how this was a uh, – John Lasseter insisted that the eyes be on the windshield so that they'd be a certain distance from the mouth so that the cars were more personable and more 
more friendly looking because he felt that when you put the eyes as the headlights, they were they it was a little scary. Right. It, when when Mater is going through the market, he bumps into a car, okay, which is a, a, a it's a BMW, okay, and he, he bumps into it and it's got the eyes and the headlights. Now this is actually a, a a reference to a very famous modification that you can make to a BMW. It's the Angel Eyes conversion kit. Okay, I was so, not aware of this. Yes, so it's actually it's actually a it's actually a very common. Uh, it's to get the blinky eyes on the on the front of the BMW. You know, they if you ever looked some BMW headlights, they have those metal things that come down over the headlights, and then when you turn on the headlights, they pop off over them. Mm-hmm. But it's it's not standard. It's a ma- it's a modification, and that's what it that's what it was actually playing at. At the same time, referencing the original design of of cartoon cars to have the eyes be the headlights. Like Herbie. Ah. So I kind of like that. Um, his his um, Finn McMissile's informant there, right? He was supposed to be uh, – his name is Tomber, and he's supposed to be um, a Reliant Regal three-wheeler. But he's also got that um, – like a French Citroen from behind look, mm-hmm. okay? And I'm only saying this because I'm sure this means somebody will be really into cars and just like to know what all these things are. His his license plate is PCS N zero one R, okay, which is which is an abbreviation for PCS Noirs because he's a black market, so that's black parts. Oh, okay. okay cause he's a black market dealer, so I thought that was very clever. Oh. Um, nice. So I I just kind of like the way all that fit together. So you know. Those things in the market. Um, I had a question for you, Ryan. I actually wrote this down as question for Ryan. Oh dear, I'm very concerned. No, it's actually not that bad. So in in the first race, McQueen and um, okay, wait a minute, I'm drawing a blank on the guy's <laughs> name. The Francesco time. Bernoulli. Francesco so, okay. Bernoulli. Yes. Sorry. In the first race, Francesco and McQueen start last. Correct. And then they move to the front. And then for the second race, they they and, and further races, they they always start in the front. Correct. So my my question is 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 that because of their ranking coming into the race as prior champions, or it, you understand what I'm getting at? I'm yes. trying to figure out. Okay, can you explain that? Because I know you're a Mister Race fan. Uh, I am not Mister Race fan, although I did work in in racing for a while. So. The way that this is kind of constructed is more like a, I guess what you, more it's actually more like a Tour de France or something like that, a multiple stage race. But uh, so in in NASCAR, the way it would be is you qualify for a race and you start based on who ran the fastest in qualifying. Since there's no qualifying in this, I have to assume since Lightning and Francesco were the last two in, they just they were at the back of the pack. That's not really talked about, but that would be my guess. It was like first in, you get the, you know, you get the pole position sort of thing. Okay. Uh, and then yes, every race thereafter, the uh, the Italian race and the London race, they start at the front because they won the last race. Okay. It's the whoever's leading going into that stage of the race. That would be my that would be my assumption. I, I can accept that. I just I wasn't sure if there was some kind of. It seemed to me like it was a. A, a ranking thing, but I wasn't sure why they were ranked back in the first race. I mean, the the subsequent races made plenty of sense for them to start in the beginning. Yeah, it would but. typically typically like for uh, I, now. I I don't follow the Ferrari, so I don't know for sure. 
but uh, I would assume that uh, they they basically got towards the end because they were the last two in. Yeah, that, I can I can buy that. Yeah. Uh, all right, so we we've talked a lot about the fun and the excitement and all that sort of thing. And the, one of the things I wanted to touch on though is you know we talked about how this is a more conventional Pixar film. It's if you if you were a, a big fan of Cars, the original movie. Like like I was, and I know Cheryl was, and, and I think you guys were too. This is not that. It's not the same kind of movie. It's not. It's not character driven. It's not got. It's not got that same sort of heart, that same sort of sentimentality to it. Um, in the way that that ca- the original Cars was a a movie about the. The, the changing of time and progress and, you know, kind of a love letter to the 50s and 60s car culture. This is sort of a love letter to those 60s and 70s spy movies in a way that, in that same sort of vein, but instead of the character development and the, you know, the the heroic arc, this is much more focused on action and, and in a way that no other Pixar film has been that I've that I've seen. And I've seen them all, so I don't know why I added the qualifier. But anyway, <laughs> there's there's like I, I realize they're cars, right? But if you if you think about it, they're the cars in the world are supposed to be humans, okay? Regardless, regardless of how we, I mean, I know not really, but you you, you know my point there, they're the replacement right. for humans. And there's a lot of death in this movie. Yes, there is. Okay, mm-hmm. I mean, which is very out of place for a Pixar film. Well, I mean, it's it's an action movie, right? Yeah. Like it's an it's kind of like a uh, I guess the best way to describe it would be like an action comedy, like a you know it's it's a very like in it's your a lot face. like The Incredibles. I thought. I mean, not notwithstanding the music, which is the whole other shot, whole other topic. But I thought it was a lot of Incredibles based. That there was it was like action, 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 and a little bit of plot. Yes. And then, then the plot was like some of the plot which was in fact stolen from the country bears <laughs> um, which I liked is that you know we had double plot we had double plot once and well so want and there's another section of plot I want to mention too so well you didn't actually mention, mention what what you actually got in your mind there well the first section was Mr. Axelrod there being 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 both the the guy behind pulling this pulling both sides at the same time because a good villain plays the table um but that's okay uh, right <laughs> no 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 okay so so let me explain it so um if you're if you're if you've ever pay, paid attention to how um how like in the James Bond movies, the bad guys always they always have their plan A and their plan B, and their plan B is always a perfect mesh against their plan A. So now granted James Bond ends up foiling both of them. You you know, in the movies, right? He always gets the plan A and the plan B. But the point is is that had the plan B A failed, the plan B was a perfect backup. Right? Yeah. Okay. Almost yeah, yeah. always, right? And that's what Axelrod is doing. He figures well Worst case, I can get people to buy this fake stuff, or I can get them to buy the real stuff. There you go. Right? So, he's playing both sides of the fence. Um, so, I know the listening audience might find it hard to believe, 
but I really pick apart a movie. Okay. Not and I, you. And so I tr- and because of that, I tend to see things coming long before they do. So my question is is to Br- let's ask Bree. Did did you f- like figure out the plot at all ahead of time? Anything in the movie that was very transparent to you? You saw it coming, that kind of thing. Well, I definitely did not think there was going to be as much death as there was in this film. Um, I was a little surprised because, you know, again, that loses the complete Disney Pixar appeal for me. I mean, being in love with films such as uh, WALL-E and Up, you know, and although in Up they had the death right in the beginning, you know, that was pretty much the only death. So you can't, you know, you can't really compare the films. This was kind of a league of its own, and I'm not saying that's a good thing either. I know, I found WALL-E kind of preachy. See, that, that Wally is like my the bottom of the battle of my Pixar films. No, see, Wally's are toward the top of mine. I thought that was Me very too. heartwarming. And you wait, the million wait, the person who hates Happiest Millionaire hates it. Okay, John loves Wallace Wally. Was not in Wally. Yes, he was. He was. The hat the, the Happiest Millionaire song. One the happy he watches Happiest Millionaire on Wally. Oh, that's for like two minutes. <laughs> He's also watching the extended ending version, which I don't think is the version that she had. Oh, okay. that's right. Oh, that's it. why I didn't recognize it. Yeah, that's why. Okay. Good save, Bree. There we go. We, we got you there, Bree. Yeah. So, did did anyone catch that that uh, Mater's friend Otis in the very beginning of the movie was actually a red herring for the movie? Yes, this is only that, your idea. I I didn't think that, but yeah, I thought I thought that too, Todd, because about two thirds of the way through, when they're talking about this guy's a lemon, I thought that he might be the bad guy. Um, it, I actually had it narrowed down to to uh, Axelrod or Otis. Okay, and what what cut it for me is something that um, we always talk about. Ryan is is what's the what's the motive for the character right what's the motivation right because which which character made more sense was it was it otis or was it axelrod and i thought to myself well what if and and as soon as it occurred to me well since since we're pretty sure because we because we get told very early on so we're definitely sure that all in all is not what it's supposed to be it's not what it's made out to be so since all in all is bad and he's the guy pushing all in all what's what, what's 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 the, what's his reasoning? What's the reason for that? Does he even know? Right? I don't yeah. think there was much motivation in any of the characters, to be honest. Yeah, that's exactly what I was gonna say. Like, I I I know the plot and how they decided that that Axelrod was gonna be the bad guy and the whole thing. And we're completely spoiling the ending. But if you haven't seen the movie by now, <laughs> shame on you. Um, but I, I, that's where to me it felt like Scooby Doo because it's like. And I know what you're saying about the, the the bad guy playing the table and all that stuff, but like the the whole ending of Mater and the bomb and the guy there, like to me, there was no stakes in that, right? I see what they were trying to do in building stakes, like Mater's going to blow everybody up, but Mater's not going to blow up. I know that going in. Yeah, we're not going to blow anybody else up. So as soon as Mater gets over there and confronts Axelrod, you know he's the bad guy. And the motivation they revealed, frankly, like for for if it was if it was a Michael Bay movie, 
fine. I'm moving on with it. If it's a Jerry Bruckheimer yeah. movie, fine. I'm moving on with it. For a Pixar movie, not right. It just yeah. didn't hold up for me. Yeah, I, I, and I, I don't disagree with that at all. But um, the the reason why I they were they were definitely trying to make Otis out there to be a red herring. I suspect there was some cutting room floor stuff that probably killed that. But anytime that they showed Axelrod as his engine with his yeah. engine look, okay, he was always covered in blue. So you, you, your, your mind kind of tricks you into thinking, oh, he's blue. Who else is blue in the movie, right? Right. But then you realize that there's no motivation there, right? Because this was a guy who actually got along with the people in Radiator Springs, so it couldn't possibly be Otis. And once you realize that, it, it, you just know it's Axelrod. So then it's just a matter of just sitting out the rest of the movie, basically, at that point. And like Ryan was saying, um, like with Jerry Bruckheimer or Michael Bay – when they have these kind of themes, it works. When Disney Pixar takes it and tries to do this, they still have to keep that comfy, lovey level with their characters. So it is not going to work. Yeah, well, and not just not just that. Like I feel like like I expect a a higher level of storytelling from a Pixar movie. Like the thing yeah. is, I mean, that's one of their trademarks, right? Is that the storytelling is so tight and so you know it's. It's, it's very thought out, and, like, everything makes sense every step along the way. And I'm not saying this didn't make sense. It's just, like like I said, it's what you'd expect from those other guys. And that seems a little... And, and it's, I'm probably being unfair to this movie because of the quality of the other Pixar movies. Yeah. But 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 it, but that was going to happen with the, with the entire audience, too, so I don't necessarily feel like that's being too unfair. Yeah, I, I also feel like they, they lied to us at one point in the movie, right? I mean, and I don't mean, that, I don't mean they intentionally did. I mean, it's just, I don't know if it was an accidental contradiction in, the, in, in things the characters were saying or if they just, the characters didn't know, right? Because, again, this goes back to the fact that did, my, my question is, did, did Zumdap really know Axelrod was the bad guy? I'm, nev- I'm not sure of that, right? Okay, but at one point in the beginning... Zundap himself, okay, or or Professor Z, okay, he he himself says that he's the one who discovered the bat the that all in all could be affected by electromagnetic rays and catch fire, and he designed the weapon, right? Yeah. But but then later on, at they actually all say Axelrod did that himself. So which is which is the truth, and where's the truth lie, right? And I'm thinking Axelrod did it, and you know, Professor Z there, but didn't tell Professor Z, and he said, you know, in his evil mode, in, I don't think Professor Z knew Axelrod was the master villain either. Right? Yeah, that's, that's the only way it works. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Right. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I don't think, I, I, I feel like they didn't think this one, not that they didn't think it through, they spent plenty of time working on the movie, it just doesn't, feel like they thought it through if that makes sense i mean i don't know brie what did you think yeah i mean as i was saying i mean i I think the whole film they didn't think through enough i i adore disney pixar films but this has to be at the bottom for me i was just very disappointed one section i was disappointed with is the fact that sally was was lusting after another guy yeah, that wasn't right either. That bugged me. I mean, I don't care if Flo did it. I mean, Flo, 
Quill thought lightning was hot. That was fun with me. But, Sal, but it was so funny when light, with Sal, I didn't like it at all when Sally started, you know, grueling yeah. over Francesco Bernoulli. Yeah, that was kind of a breaking character, really. Because she wouldn't do that. Her character wouldn't do something like that. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I felt like all the characters in this were just, like, off to some degree. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like Ex- Mater was Mater. Except for Fillmore. Because yeah. Fillmore is actually on, because apparently, because he was the one who switched the gas. No, it wasn't. It was Sarge who switched the gas. Uh, well, oh, no. It was Sarge who switched the gas. That's, a, that's right. It was Sarge. But it felt like, it, it, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, it just felt like the characters were off. I mean, yeah. like, Lightning, like you were saying earlier, Todd, Lightning was, had this sort of unnecessary tirade against uh, against Mater. Um, you know, it, we can't say Finn McMissile or Holly Shiftwell, who we haven't talked about. I mean, their characters were fine, but, like, there was no depth to those characters, right? There was nothing. No, we didn't get any background on them. We didn't, I mean, we didn't know them. Yeah, you, you, learn, exactly. more, you learn more about Holly reading online than you do... From the movie, um, I mean, well, okay. Finn McMissile was made during the original Toy Story, and he was because they were supposed to have a date scene for um, Sally and and McQueen at the drive-in that never happened. It was cut, and that was the movie they were going to be watching was a spy movie starring Finn McMissile, and they pulled him forward and used him in this movie instead. And he makes a prior appearance in Toy Story Three on a poster in Andy's room. Okay, um, but you really don't know much about him. I mean, he, it's Michael Caine. The uh, the part was made for Michael Caine. It wasn't made with anyone else in mind. Yeah, okay, no, I mean, and, and he he does perfect in it. No, no he's awesome. You know. Oh yeah. Um, you know. By the way, folks, his his license plate is three one four FMCM. So FMCM are Finn McMissile's initials, and three one four is Michael Caine's birthday. There you go. Okay. That's awesome. So March fourteenth. In case you want to send him a card. <laughs> Hold on, I'm googling his address. Wait, I wonder why they didn't um, talk since they had Timothy Dalton, and this is a question I have, and this is th- that's a question. They had Tim- Timothy Dalton was in this. Did I miss that? Mr. Pricklepants. Oh, he was Mr. Pricklepants. Yeah, well, okay, so, he's in the. So, in so the why? Other so thing. I wonder why they didn't grab him to do the. Because voice. Hawaiian Vacation was made and completed more than a year ago at this point. Timothy Dalton was Mr. Pricklepants. Yes. Mm-hmm. You didn't know that. That sheds a whole new light on things. <laughs> Hard to believe. Oh yes, yeah, so you were not here for the Rocketeer episode. That's right. Right, or or nor is this 007. It's although well, kind of. Um. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's not. It's um, and, and I was actually reading something about this. I mean, this is you know, it is somewhat 007 esque because Finn McMissile is an Aston Martin, right. but. Lasseter even says that he based the the spy stuff a, a bit more on some of the other things from that era. I'm actually glad we got to listen to to Michael Caine for two hours rather than Timothy Dalton. Just my opinion of the matter. Yeah, I'm with Todd. <laughs> agreed. Yes, agreed. <laughs> I mean, let's face it. Uh, you know, I, who is the better actor? I'm sorry. It's, Michael Caine. It's hands down Michael Caine. Yeah. Yes, amen. Michael Caine. Michael Caine owns the land of epic. That's all uh, I have. Grant, to say. Granted, he did do a horrible movie once upon a time called The Hand, but we won't go there. Okay. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. Yeah, but uh, the the thing is, like, this is not ba- like 
it's not necessarily based as much on James Bond, like the story and that sort of thing, because it's more along the lines of some of the other 60s spy movies and things like Man from uh, Uncle. And TV. Yeah, Man from Uncle is the biggie, but you know some of the other like you know less serious. Like James Bond is always a serious spy movie. There, there were plenty of other spy movies that are much more in the vein of this. Um, right. The, the only part that was, the only part that was clearly James Bond was the opening sequence. Correct. Right, because that is that is hardcore James Bond. That whole thing about coming in, finding the act, finding the actual plot long before you actually understand the plot. Yep. Right. That's that's how every James Bond movie is. It comes in in the middle of something, and you you have to spend the rest of the movie understanding what you saw. Um, the um, oh, did you know that uh, Holly Shiftwells um, was played by uh, Emily Mortimer, right? Right. And and they did the same thing too. Is her license plate is the same as Finn McMissile's? It's HS for Holly Shiftwell, and then it's twelve oh one for her birthday for for Emily Mortimer's birthday. Uh, okay. So they did go. the same thing. She's actually her name is actually I thought this was interesting is um. Her, her name is a reference to Holly Performance Products, which is something which is you know like it's it's um, high performance carburetors and fuel systems, mm-hmm. and because her name that's why her name is Shiftwell, so it's Holly Shiftwell because that's what. Uh, so I thought, gotcha. Okay. I like and, that. And, I like that. And, but of course, you would never know that. Like like we're saying, you would never know that from the movie. You'd have to go read the background material, like I did, to find that kind of stuff out. And actually, she was in the Pink Panther. Yes, she was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's just. Like those are both great. They're they're good characters. Like Finn McMissile and Holly Shiftwell, they're fun characters. They're you know they're entertaining when they're on screen. Like you mentioned, the opening sequence, Todd. I just I didn't feel like I I didn't necessarily care about them because I didn't know enough about them. Yeah. I was you know what it was. It's like a typical spy movie. I was far more interested in the gadgets than I was the characters. Right. And 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 that's just to me that's a big shift for Pixar. Like their whole thing is character, character, character. It's all about the characters and why we should care what happens to them. From from Toy Story all the way through Toy Story three last year, it's always been about what's going on with the characters. And this movie was not that. And I think for that reason, like, I think that's what Bree and I are reacting to is that, you know, like, this is a big shift, and I don't know that I was ready for that shift. I don't know if that's what you're picking up on, Bree. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I was expecting more of a heartwarming film like the first one, and instead we, we have a, a cartoon version of Bullet, or one of those right. films, you know. Right, the, the heart is definitely not there. Now, the, don't get me wrong, the humor is definitely there. Humor's there, yeah. uh, but but you're right. The the um, the touchy feely nature is completely gone from the movie. Yeah, and, and being that that is pretty much the the center of Disney Pixar's, you know. Yeah, I, I agree. Theme, it's it's just kind of leaves you wanting more. And, and to me, that's not to say that they did a bad job at making an action comedy movie. As far as action comedy movies go, this is a really good one. Like I would watch, I'll watch it again. I'll I'll buy it on Blu-ray and I'll watch it again. Yep. But it's not like what I told my wife when we were coming out of the movie is I said that was the best DreamWorks film ever made. <laughs> but it's not a Pixar movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I get where I get where you're coming with that for sure. 
Can, can I talk about one reference before I forget? Sure. Okay. No. So, no. All right, fine. <laughs> fine. Next. Uh, okay. Been, um, producer vetoed. So, so the the um the American spy, who was who Mater was mistaken for. Okay. That that spy the ca- the character's name was Rod Redline or uh, with the nickname of Torque. So Torque Redline, right? Get it? Uh, that's vo- that character's voiced by Bruce Campbell, right? Right. And what what's very now he's he's part Ford Mustang, part Dodge Challenger. Okay, he's not like a complete car. But here's my favorite part: his license plate. Okay, was M one nine one one A one. Do you know why? No, and I'm scared. Are we killing him? What? No, no. So he he. Bruce Campbell, a few years back, directed a movie called My Name is Bruce that he was the star in, right? Yes, I, okay. which I've seen. Yes. And if you, if you remember, the first monster attack, he fights off with a handgun, right? Mm-hmm. Right? Do you know what model handgun that was? I do not. It was an M1911A1. Well, there you go. So, there, that's, so that's why that's his license plate in the movie, because it's the gun referencing the character. It's very, I, I, I kind of enjoyed that. They threw that in there. Nice. That's awesome. Cool. So, I mean, it, I, I guess, I guess what where we what we've been kind of saying the whole the whole thing is that they made a really good they they made a good movie that wasn't a good Pixar movie is I guess where I'm coming from and I think you know I think Bree's saying the same thing it's like it's just not what I was looking for from Pixar. Right. Yeah. Well, I was saying in the beginning, it's to me, it's more akin to the Mater's Tales than to Cars itself. Yeah, which is not good. Yeah, I mean, not that I don't... I, I like The Mater's Tales. Yeah. But that's not a feature film, right? And those, exactly. are, those are two different things. Uh, but but yeah. don't, you, don't you feel that they could have... Rather than release this in the theater, right? They could have broken this into the four parts, one for each city, and shown it on like four connect- consecutive nights as a miniseries on television. Yeah. Right? And it would have been great. And you wouldn't have felt like you you wouldn't have lost anything by having the movie be broken up like that or anything like that. No, I think actually you're absolutely right. Like I think that's part of it is when like a, a Pixar film is an event, right? Like we're, we've come to expect these every year. Like this is an event. Like this is one of the few times um, where people you know gather their families and go to the movie theater, right? And 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 parents. And kids can enjoy the whole thing together, right. and like you expect something like like not everything is going to be on the level of a Toy Story three from last year, which was exactly. just an amazing movie. But it you know like they have a string of films just that have each one has had a different hook to it and something new and something exciting and you know like they've innovated even even in the sequels. And this was not innovative. This was not original. This was not, you know, a, a well-told plot or a well-told story. It was just a spy movie, like several other spy movies. And it was funny, and it was well crafted, and all that sort of thing. But it just wasn't. It wasn't a Pixar movie, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't expecting the magnitude of Toy Story three, as you said. But, I mean, at least somewhere along the lines of Ratatouille and The Incredibles, like, that sort of a likeness factor. Mm-hmm. You know, just something... I knew it was, wasn't going to be as good as the first. You really can't beat the first one. 
but you know somewhere near it I was hoping for it and to me this didn't even touch it yeah and I mentioned this when we did the cars show that like the first movie was such a uniquely American movie that it did it did horrible box office overseas right and you know there was concern from Disney that if that they wanted you know the cars franchise the toys and the consumer products makes billions of dollars for the company mm-hmm. and they wanted more cars and they wanted you know they wanted more ways to to get other people to buy cars and i mean without coming out and accusing anybody of anything it kind of seems like this was a movie crafted for that purpose as opposed to crafting a film that they thought was good like and and i'm you know i'm a realist right on the business side of things if we need to sell more cars toys let's sell more cars toys i don't think this was a way to do it right I, i i i agree and you know it it's not just us though right i mean like if you go look at it on rotten tomatoes right i mean of of critics only only 35% of critics according to rotten tomato like it right. i love this movie i'm sorry okay. better than wally that's all i'm saying it's not preaching anything to me and anything like that that's what i mean and, and that's true because not everybody likes all um all pixar movies okay like for example i don't my my probably my least favorite is um, Bugs Life. Yeah, me too. Okay, I just I I don't really enjoy I. It's not that I dislike that movie. I just don't completely enjoy that movie. Okay, and every and there are things about that that it appeals to everyone. You know, about these about there's movies that are going to appeal to everyone at different levels when it comes to um a group of movies like Pixar movies. Okay, mm-hmm. um. And and I don't dislike this movie either. It's just I I agree, and it's it's fine. It's just not it's not the Cars sequel that I would have preferred. Right, and that's what I, and I guess that's what I'm saying. Like this is like Cars, the first one for me it was a five, and this is not. See, this is still a five for me. And and that's that's why we have different people doing <laughs> yeah. different opinions. But like, like, to me, like the difference between this and Wally is like whether you and I agree with you. Wally is can can be sort of preachy in spaces, but it you know that's a whole other show. Um, but at least Wally was trying to make a statement and do something that was artistic, right? Like they they really went out on a limb with that movie, and they took a chance. And whether it worked or not, it's a whole other, whole other story. They took no chances here, like. If you had said, what's a movie that's going to appeal to the most demographics and get people to buy toys, that's the movie they made. Agree? Disagree, anybody? Uh, I don't know. I, I tried not to. I tried. I mean, my problem, I have a whole other problem with spoilers and, and that half the movie was spoiled and... And there was so much pre-junk of this movie; it was crazy. I that, I that could is not. That's true. Av- that is very could, true. I the, could the, not avoid this. I mean, I had problems avoiding this. Right. You you could not, for the month leading up to this movie, watch Disney Channel without seeing at least fifteen to twenty minutes of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. 
okay? And which is, I mean, and that's a lot of the movie. And I mean, it, I figure that based on everything we saw on previews and shorts and this and that all going into this movie, at least half this movie was already seen before it was even released in the theater, which is terrible. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, it was, they they did a blitz for this movie with the content of the movie, which I think was a bad idea. And, and you know, honestly, I think they, they did the same thing with Tron. And it hurt that movie, and I think it's it's hurt this. I mean, you can see the drop in the box office from week one to week two. It dropped sixty percent. Yeah, like most other Pixar movies, drop in the you know high thirties, low forties from weekend one to weekend two. That's that's not a critic problem. That's that's like audiences are saying, I don't want to go see this. Oh, well, this is so funny. We, I'll. I'll um, I guess I named her Ellie Knopp, who's six, already thinks this is out on DVD and wants to watch it. <laughs> yeah, she came over our house asking if we had Cars 2 yet to watch. That's so cute. But that's how bad it is. That's how bad the media is on this movie. And, the, I mean, we talk about spoiling trailers. This one totally was spoiled. I mean, it was really hard. For me, and I fast forwarded everything. Yeah, yeah, I'll agree with that. Do you do you think they were? Do you think they were trying to blitz early to make back their money? Which, mind you, they haven't made it back yet. But I, I don't, I, I have no doubt that they will. I mean, they're, you know, they're more than they're almost two thirds of the way there. It so. hasn't gone overseas yet either, has it? Um, was released in it Australia. Did, yeah. It was released in Australia first, then Germany, then here, right? Uh, hold on. I'm on Box Office Mojo now. I will uh, look. So, World Foreign, it has been released overseas, and it has made $82 million to date uh, overseas. So, it hasn't done it hasn't done Pirate's Business, which is a whole other conversation, but it has done pretty good. Cool. Um, yeah, so, you know, I think we've kind of talked it to death, but uh, let's 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 hear from uh, from Bree. What would you what would you rate uh, Cars two? Okay, I mean, you know, I won't go through again everything I said because I'll just sound like a broken record. Um, but really, just as a summary, I I'm glad I went to see it. Um, I actually I'm going to admit I fell asleep for a few minutes during the film, and I'm, I'm going to guess that was from going to work at seven a.m. I'm just going to say that that's what that was from. <laughs> or you pulled the Todd. I pulled the Todd. What did uh -oh. I do? You fell asleep oh. during a podcast, room. <laughs> this oh, is yeah, very true. true. Bye. But, um, I mean, honestly, to ugh, I hate to give it this mark also because it's a Disney Pixar film. I give them credit for, for trying, I'm, but I'm going to have to go with two and a half. It's fair. It's fair. All right, Mr. Todd, Perlmutter, what would you say? Um, I'm going to go with a three only because it's my humor throughout, and I got it. I yeah, I was laughing constantly, but like I said, Larry the Cable Guy is my sense of humor. So I, I would I would agree with your three, and and the thing is, like for me, that three is in is is relative to other Pixar movies. Like if 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 all I had seen, like I said, was DreamWorks films. This would be a five. It's it's better than any DreamWorks movie I've seen. 
the possible exception of how to train your dragon. Maybe that's the audience we're going for. And, and it could have been. It could have completely been. That's what it was. But uh, <laughs> it just doesn't measure up to me with, with other Pixar films. Uh, so. I am the lowly five on this podcast. And that's that's fine. Me I mean, and- I think I think there is definitely a huge group of people that this movie appeals to. I, I think there are a lot of fives for people yeah. who are, you know, even for listening to this podcast. I'm sure there's a lot of people who feel this movie is a five yep. because it's just you know, in the grand scheme of things, you know, it's 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 how you rate it. It's what you like, and don't don't get me wrong. I'm like you, Ryan. I am buying this the day the day or week that it comes out, and I am probably going to go home and watch it again then. And enjoy yeah. all the ex- and enjoy all the extras. Yeah, and it's the same thing. Like when we were talking about pirates, like I think On Stranger Tides would have gotten a better review from me if it hadn't been for how much I love Curse of the Black Pearl. Yeah, and, but I will right. be buying that one when it comes out, and I'll be watching it again. Right, because uh, had it been had it been the so had right because like in Stranger Tides case, had it been the first movie, you probably wouldn't have been seeing a fourth pirates movie. You know, that's right. That's the difference. Which, by the way, can we talk about the fact that that's the ninth biggest movie worldwide now? It is? Yes. Oh, can I talk about the fact that they're going to put out of Jasper's favorite movie? Jasper's favorite movie? Oh. Oh, oh, that's right. They're doing... <laughs> What's his favorite movie? Di- Disney announced they're doing another ride movie. Do you know what ride that is? What? Jungle Cruise? Everest. Yeah. Oh, my. Oh, because yep. the Yeti is his cousin, right? Because... Because Yeti is Jasper's cousin. They're not doing not Everest, the, the bobsled yeah. one. The Matterhorn. Oh, the Matterhorn. Yes. They're doing Matterhorn? Oh, okay. Yes. Everest. Okay. No, well, they, both, Matterhorn. they both have Bigfoot. They both have Bigfoot. To come back to Pirates ah. 4, can, can I talk about the fact that Jack Davenport's not in it? Sorry. <laughs> that does kind of ruin the movie, doesn't it? For, for those of you who don't sit through credits, and why don't you in a modern society, I don't know. Um, there are there are a few things in the credits. One of which will I'll throw to Cheryl, but let me do mention my other ones first. First of all, John Lasseter and Mater. You find out share a birthday because they show Mater's um, passport and it has the same birthday on it, which is January twelfth, nineteen fifty-seven. Um, then some of the things that if you look through the credits, they re- they do rename some of real world places to have car themed things. Like uh, you have um, Greece is spelled G R E A S E. Okay, uh, it's Tohiti instead of Tahiti. It's Karga instead of, I, I guess, Congo. I don't know. Um, and it's Tyrebitian instead of Tybitian. Okay. Um, my, my favorite little throw-in, though, was that instead of Kodak Kodachrome, it's Kardak Kardachrome. <laughs> um, and so that's, that's all. That's all I have those last few things to look for if you want to. When you buy that DVD, you know... Look for those. My favorite end. thing is Nick, our buddy, our 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 singing internet buddy, Nick Patera, my my favorite guy. Uh, also did some modeling on this film, so he's in the credits. Cool. Okay. All right, all right. So that is Cars Two. Our look at the newest Disney Pixar film. Some of us very excited, some of us less than excited, but all of us enjoying a good night at the movies. All right, so until next week, you can keep in touch with us. You can tweet us. We are at Diz Film Project, D-I-S-F-I-L-M Project. 
uh, you can get us on our website, DisneyFilmProject.com. You can listen to the show. You can find older shows. You can comment on our show notes. You can read blogs. You can do all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, you can reach us on Facebook. We are at Facebook.com slash DisneyFilmProject. And we had a listener who, who reached us on Facebook. Right, Bree? Yes. Um, we'd like to make a comment on that. Thank you, Jody Lynn, for your input. Um, she wrote, hey all, I just listened to your Little Mermaid podcast. You missed something. The original beginning of the song, Part of Your World, was changed. The original beginning of the song goes, maybe he's right, maybe there is something the matter with me. That line was taken out. So if you can, when you do your next podcast, mention that. Thank you. So thank you, Jody Lynn, for your input. We're sorry it took so long, but we record. By the time you posted, we record. It could be, could be weeks, so... That's right. We'll, we'll try. We'll let you know when I let Jerry. I let Jerry Lynn know when we would fill her in. So. And, and being Little Mermaid is my favorite film. I, I appreciate that input. So thank you very much, Jody. So see, folks, you could post on Facebook, and, and you might get your, you might get mentioned and get your your post read on the show. So go over to Facebook.com, Disney Film Project, and like our page. And then you might get mentioned on the show. So uh, until next week, keep in touch with Bree over at Adventures of Bree at adventuresofbree.blogspot.com. You can read Todd on touringplans.com and see uh, his work at disneydrivenlife.com. You can read my blogs at disneyfilmproject.com, at disneydrivenlife.com, or touringplans.com. Just depends on the day. Just, you know, take a random shot at one of those. But you're going to find good content at all of those places. Uh, regardless of what day you land. So there you go. Uh, so until next time, everybody, uh, until we start talking about Cars 3000, uh, see ya. Bye, guys. Instead of going ka he's going kaboom. Bye.